Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I had some ad come up. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's my latest you like that. That's what I've been working on. Some club movie club music. <laughs> Which one was that? It was mine. I turned it <laughs> off now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that no, that was my new tracks. Do you like the direction <laughs> I'm going? <laughs> it sounded very, um, sounded yeah. very new to me. Oh yeah. New direction. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. It reminded me of telephone call from Kraftwerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been working hard. <laughs> so, um, how are you? I'm great. <laughs> Very good. Okay. How are you all doing? Good. good. Yeah. Really good. Okay. I see some strange stuff emitting from Tony's head. What's? Um, can you explain what's going on? Uh, I I took some mushrooms about an hour ago, and <laughs> something something weird's happening. <laughs> Okay, hang hang in there, man. <laughs> I'll be I'll be all right. You, uh, yeah. we'll we'll get through this together. <laughs> you have yeah, to we, write we me down. The, <laughs> What's you that? Write me down the color scheme because I don't, I miss that color scheme. I don't have that one. But that you use for your lamp. Oh yeah, you get different. You get different oil oil wheels. I have four, but not that one. I think this and is I the like one the that colors. came with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll I'll let I'll I'll let you know what it is after. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special um, kind of so mushroom. I see. Yeah. <laughs> a very colourful one. I see some uh, friends showing up already. Uh, let's say hi to John. John. Oh, hey, John. Hey. <laughs> And uh, Robin, hey, hey Robin. Um, Hi, so yeah, good I'm to see everybody, and also the the people in um, who are always here, the the stream punks, and uh, all the people who are um, um, here uh, from the Discord server. So I'm see I see a lot of uh, familiar names showing up. Um, yeah, before the before the in the pre-show or whatever it's called, we were talking about. Um, everybody's live sessions and, and live things. Um, uh, I actually didn't know, but when Steve played um, um, live here in the studio, when, when we did Stay Home Sound System, um, I talked to him uh, <laughs> and um, uh, like, I don't know, maybe a month before, was it a month before, Steve? Yeah, when I something like you? this. Yeah. Yeah. And you re you replied, yeah, sure, I'll, uh, I'll I'll come over and we'll do something. And you were already talking about gear, you stuff you want to use and stuff like that, you know. And then only uh, maybe in the week leading up to the date, um, you told me you'd never done that. <laughs> 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 I was like, I, I I must say, you know, for for that, um, um, you know, doing such a thing r straight on air and. Um, without any experience it was a very ballsy move of you so and i um, so yeah it was it was uh, it worked out great yeah yeah but then again i was in good hands i mean you're you're the one with the the longest uh, experience uh, i guess here in the netherlands on this part so 
I just I've, have to follow the lead. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, didn't play live uh, that much um, in recent years, but you know, because of the stay home sound system thing, it uh, became a thing again. And um, yeah. yeah, and and I really enjoyed it. It was really a lot of fun. Um, so by the time you showed up, I that was already number I think eighteen. Hmm. Yeah, number uh, eighteen. The second last or something? Yeah, the second last one. Yeah, and uh, so by that time I had the the hang of it. But um, but as with every live set, you know, there's always feeding back between the two performers. You know, there's always something um, uh, you add to each other's thing. Yeah. You know, so, so it's definitely a collaboration. Even though it was, yeah. uh, even though it was the first time for you, it was great, yeah. really great. Yeah, I learned a lot, I have to say, and, and also for me, what, what, what would be the perfect or almost perfect setup or what to bring and what's useful and what's not. And like I said, I had this big mixer that you put uh, left there for, from Luke Slater, the 24 track. Mm. And I think I had about 12 tracks of drums and that was not clever because I was totally confused. <laughs> I, ba- I barely used them. I had the 808. And I had a TT78 and I had, like I said, 12 channels connected. And actually, I also didn't write on them. Uh-oh. There was only one <laughs> channel that I probably looks later wrote clap. So that's where I put the clap. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing. And the rest, yeah, I was, I was completely lost drum-wise. So <laughs> for next time, I know it's just either one drum machine or none. Because I noticed also I, I like sounds better also than, than drums in a way. Yeah, I mean, splitting splitting too many things out is probably confusing when you, oh, it was you need totally. to be quick with things. It's um, yeah, it's difficult to keep your head around it, especially if, yeah. if the setup is something you haven't used before. You know, if if you, yeah. if you have like your weekly sort of touring routine, you know where everything is, and you can be a bit more um, um, all over the place with your channels and stuff. But if if it's a, a one-off thing, it's it's easier to keep it. Uh, Simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's my motto normally. Keep it simple. How many? How many percent stupider oh. are you when you perform, Colin? Are <laughs> 50%. we? Yeah, fifty percent. It's the it's the fifty percent stupider rule. Uh, 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 all of a sudden, you think you know everything sounds great in the studio, and you're like, oh, I totally got this. And then the people are looking at you, and you're like, Fuck! What is all this stuff? <laughs> Where is, what do I do with it? Uh, how does this work again? Ah. <laughs> but I feel the same, Steve, when, when I started performing with Tony. I was like, well, if anything goes wrong, he's got it. <laughs> he's got your back. I thought it was the other way around. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. <laughs> so we both thought the other one was going like, to take care of it. So, yeah. Somehow but that's it worked. Why, but that's why I also decided I don't want to do this alone. I need to, I want to have it with two people. It's just more yeah, fun. It's, like this. It's a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. That, 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 that it's a really uh, unique, deep kind of communication between two people, isn't it? Yeah. When you, when you perform, when you improvise yeah, yeah. live in that way, it's, it's really, really good. But you guys perform also impro- improvise or yeah. you have pre program. Yeah. It's also completely, no, yeah, that's yeah. The I mean, we, I mean, you might have some riffs in the drum machine. Exactly. Yeah, not, I mean, but I mean, we don't know what the other one's going to do. If if, yeah, yeah. if if you know what I mean, we don't, we haven't yeah, yeah. we haven't figured something out. We just figure it out when we're when we're there. 
Yeah. But it's not that you do guys do like some guys like a back to back. It's you one track and then Tony one track and back and forth. You just together. Together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just have to. You have to just listen really carefully and not not just listen to what you're doing. I don't know. You you just have to keep your your ears really open and. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's good, you know. And Colleen will bring some part in and. It's like, yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, that's great. And, and you just kind of go with that and you just make kind of be able to, to um, you know, if you hear the other person do something, be able to step back a little bit and give them some yeah. room to do that. Mm. And then, yeah, yeah. And then it, it's good because it gives you some time to, like, get your next bit ready yeah, exactly. to, to bring yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, it really is about restraint is a huge thing, I found, yeah. because, you you know, you have to feel comfortable to – to hang back because you know the nerves you get the nerves the crowd is there and you're like oh and if it's not sounding good like tony and i've talked the more manic you are about it when things you don't feel like it's going well and then mm. you have to like take a breath and be like everything's fine mm. <laughs> yeah some, just, sometimes the more you do yeah. sometimes the more you do the more you ruin it you know if, yeah. if something yeah, exactly. is, is sounding nice the best thing you could do is just step back and get your yeah. hands off the gear for for a little bit <laughs> No, yeah, seriously. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, so you learn with I like time. I, I like our idea about having a having a couch. We always <laughs> talk about that many times. How that yeah, would really suit down. with me, me and Joachim, we, <laughs> we definitely need to evolve a couch in it. Yeah, and a box of cigars in a box it's of a long, cognac. It's a long, it's a long session. So a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your own fireplace. B Y O F P. No fireplace, no show. <laughs> it's on the rider. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, between you and uh, between uh, um, Colleen and Tony, do you do you um, um, pre-listen to stuff before you bring it in? Because that's that's sort of like the system. Um, how how it developed here at the store sessions. You know, we have um, a bunch of stuff running and uh, uh, when the other person is doing something or bringing something in, you can on your, on the, on the PFL, you can kind of uh, do something which might go along with that or complement it. And then you can always decide to to bring it in or, or leave it and do something else. But at least you have something ready to to shoot or to go to bring in uh, when things need like an extra lift or a change or something, is that how you how you do it as well, or is it everything always on at the same time? It's always a mystery of like. I understand. I understand how that could that could work, but for me, if I if I pre-listen to something, I just find it so distracting because it's sort of. It, it takes me out of the music that's happening that people can hear. And I like that aspect that, that what we can hear is what the crowd can hear. And so I'll bring a new part. I mean, I think Colleen does this as well. You bring a new part in and you just, you've got to make best. it work. Yeah. Gotta, whatever it is. Yeah. It's yeah. Crossed. Oh, if it's, if it's, okay. if it's, if it's crap, you're like, well, I, I got to kind of bend this somehow. And, <laughs> and you make yeah, you make it work somehow. And, um, I, I've thought, I've thought about the pre-listening thing, but to me that that just takes me out of 
the music that's happening somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I understand. Yeah, thing, I, I guess. Exactly. But yeah, I understand. I just need to be saying. right in it the, the whole time and yeah. just just go with that the the whole flow of the music. Yeah. yeah, I think I think what I mean is somewhere between uh, actually making something to go along with it, or and, and your mm-hmm. method of bringing something in, because it's more about um, it's yeah, it's it's also sort of like a sound check, you know. If if you use a mono synth or something with a simple sequencer, and you tap in something, uh, it's just a way to hear that it's actually working and doing the thing you thought it was would be doing. So yeah. it's not it just it just uh, confirms. Uh, yeah, you know, the, what, no, what you, you, you what you were trying totally to program. Right. You're totally right, Joachim. I'm. No, it uh, is. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I mean, of course, when you when you bring it in, even especially when when uh, music is playing very loud, you you kind of miss the, the the tonality sometimes or the actual pitch of things. They could they could try you know be um, you could misinterpret the um, uh, pitches of things if if it's loud or if if it's messy or there's a lot of reverb going on. So you cannot, you can never really, really rely on what you hear in your headphones because it's, right. yeah, it's confusing. So um, it is just for me, it's just a way to confirm the thing is actually playing, and <laughs> and it does something, and then yeah. you know you throw it, you throw it in and take it from there. Basically, that's the, that's what I do. I but it's, I did. it's funny. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no it's all right. Carry on. It's funny you guys mentioned this because for me, when Jochem asked me and I knew what I was going to bring. I was worried, like, how am I going to pitch everything without mm, knowing? Because right. it's, it's a bit weird to do that on an ARP sequencer. If you just do, do anything and then put it on, I think you can easily have something weird. But then uh, this mixer was there, this old Soundcraft that Luke used the week before. And then Jochem tells me, yeah, you can put a headphone in and there's PFL on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I say to him, what the fuck? I have this mixer at home. I had it for 20 years, 15 <laughs> years, and I didn't know that. <laughs> so it was a funny moment again, like a, a yeah. mixer that I used. But then again, yeah, of course, at home in the studio, I never used it like that. So yeah. I didn't have to know about right. this thing. But yeah. that Did was you- actually a lifesaver for me. Yeah. But did you did you actually end up using it like that though? I used it all the time. Constantly. Yeah, the PFL. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Especially to make uh, make riffs and and, and mm. the drums and things. Yeah, it was for me. It was a lifesaver. Mm, cool. So I need it. Yeah, basically. I, I like for me. It's uh, the live performance angle. Like I really value the fact that it is a live performance, and what that does for <clears> me <throat> is take me out of not just the music, but the actual performance that people are perceiving where people think oh you know it, it's yeah with the same with tony like i really value the the actual performance so if when you do that it kind of distracts you and for me what i do is the things i would do with tony are not the things i would ever do with my own live set so mm. keeping things like very 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 simple patterns super simple you know, kind of more percussive stuff works better or, you know, pads that you can easily change if it's sounding terrible. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I also, yeah, I, with so many things to do, adding another step of like pre-listening to something is like too much for my brain. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is a better idea for a better it result. Did, that is, it, rem- <laughs> it did remind me, uh, I think it was, there was a time when I did a, this kind of hybrid DJ set more kind of ambient stuff where i i was i was djing but i was doing some kind of euro rack stuff over it and i did i did use um a 
cueing kind of thing then because I was trying to I was making sure what I was doing was um uh like basically in key um with with like the drones and stuff like that and that mm. that worked a lot better but it was a much kind of slower process um but I guess that's much better maybe with two people at least for me it was also a resting point to to calm down and think okay what's next Mm. And then listen to what Jochem is playing and then try to add something that fits in in, in, in that way. Yeah. Here's something that uh, connects to what we're talking about. A uh, question for both duos. I guess that's Colleen and Surgeon and Steve and me. Uh, how do you guys communicate what key you are in uh, when you're going, going to make significant changes? I mean, we I think we've already kind of answered that question, but uh, the key, to be honest, to me, I think pitch is overrated. Uh, <laughs> or Amen. I mean, the, Amen. Uh, well, the thing is, you know, in techno no. or, you know, improvisation kind of allows you to, to have things. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's going on? Uh, the, is that your mushrooms? Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. I don't see anything. What do you mean? <laughs> what, 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 what was that? What was that? It's kicking in now, eh, Tony? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, I took some now. <laughs> so flying kids. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> what? What were you saying about key? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm afraid to say it again Overrated. because I don't want to. I don't want to cause us seeing cats again. So. <laughs> overrated. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, the overrated. It's, it's. I, I think the this sort of way of playing, um, it kind of allows to have things going into friction a little bit uh, and not be. Uh, totally smooth and and perfectly in key all the time. I it, it you know it's I think especially this sort of raw um, techno ish stuff um, and this way of playing. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean this. I don't think any one of us is ever thinking about scales or anything. It's just uh, stuff that sounds good or that uh, has yeah. a certain energy or a certain. Yeah. Um, vibe to it i think that's the that's something that is more on my mind than actual um perfect keys or or chords that are supposed to be um official legit chords you know um so so there isn't really any um or there's not really much thought going on i mean like i said the or when i explained the preview thing um i might uh when when i when i listen to whatever's going on um include some of the notes or whatever that that are going on but uh, at the same time um i divert from it as well um to hopefully uh do something which becomes interesting i don't know it's just uh, it's all it's all very much on the fly i mean it's 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 um i would say playing live i don't know what would you guys think but playing live is um is so intense and so it's almost like time slows down in a sense yeah. and 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 you're as much a spectator of the whole thing as as an actor in the whole thing so it's it's like Absolutely. you're on both sides you know so you're you're as much surprised or uh, new it's it's as new to you as anybody yeah. who's listening to you so um 
so yeah, there's there's these two things, and and you're you're acting on whatever is going on, but. Uh, yeah, there's no way to to predict the future, or uh, it's very much in the moment. It's a very much yeah. um, um, a real time thing. What do you think? But it's the nice yeah. thing, I think. I remember when we were playing, and then all of a sudden we had this ambient kind of thing with a strange beat, and I was like, "Wow, this is yeah. amazing!" Mm. And we ended up there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I yeah, love that magic. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's totally, totally magic. magical. Totally, yeah. But the uh, and I love the freedom. It's 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 great. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, I, I just try to do everything I can to just really be, the only way I can describe it is just really inside the music and not be kind of thinking about thinking in a, in a, in a rational and logical way. It's just like, just really working on intuition. And I think maybe the question talked about, asked about how, how you communicate and, and to me, yeah. Play, you know, playing live generally is a really, really loud environment. And if you're trying to actually say something to the person you're performing with, it's a disaster because you're like, <laughs> bring the snare drum in. And you're like, what? What? Yeah. You know, it doesn't work. You've got to, no. you've got to do it on a non-verbal level. That's mm. to me, yeah. that's the only way it can work. And you just got to be both kind of plugged into this same stream of music and you just mm. kind of intuitively know yeah, what sounds it. good what mm. doesn't and you just yeah. got to work with that and not not try to kind of mentally plan it out and shout at each other you know i don't know that's that's i, I just can't hear anything in those situations mm. so. that's the thing that you know we um that the more it's with me and Tony, it's like the more time we spend together as friends, the better our life set is. And I'm sure it's the same for everybody, you know, um, you know, instead of these, some agency setting up, you know, some kind of, Oh, here, you know, like two artists when you feel like there's not a connection, like any B2B thing when you have like a, it's just so human. So that when you're on the link wavelength with somebody, the more time you're able to spend with them, like before the show, the better it always is. Cause you're like in the zone with each other on a, on a friendship level. And that's, that's the mood. You know what I mean? That's the, all those things are so important is they're totally not technical and not like just everything would do with emotion and yeah. spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. So that's why with people who are doing duos, you know, it's really important that you, that you choose the right person to do it with, mm-hmm. that you have a vibe and you're on the same level as a person. Mm-hmm. So that's really, and it's the same idea of what it is, why you're doing it. You're not necessarily like what it wants to sound like, but what is, what are you trying to like the same idea of what you want to say with your live set. Mm-hmm. And so that's also super important. I think. Do you, do you guys, uh, Colleen and um, Tony uh, discuss, a direction or an aesthetic in advance or are you are you just going with whatever happens when you press start well i don't know sometimes we've had we've had kind of vague yeah had sort of vague ideas but maybe it's something we might say to each other right before we play or something like mm. that but even that can just go out the window as well sometimes mm. and it depends on what gear we're using that's a huge mm. thing mm. like if we're using something different or depending on what I bring or what tone we communicate about what gear we're bringing, 
then that kind of determines something about what's going to happen, hopefully. <laughs> so, yeah. So how, how does Maybe it work for you, Yoko? Magical. Um, well, Colleen was just mentioning vibe. Um, I think, uh, well, I haven't played live for an audience uh, for a while. You know, I did, I did a lot of that in the, in, in the 2000s. Um, but um, for the live sets here, you know, the, the whole store environment, the, whole, the studio is set up. Uh, so when you walk in, it sounds and it looks uh, a pl like a place where you really want to, where you, where you can relax and where you really want to create something. And uh, I've noticed that with everybody who's coming here, um, uh, it's not really that special, but it's it's not uh, like a cold place or uh, an unfamiliar environment. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's put together in a way that um, um, that instantly takes you. Uh, yeah, it takes your mind off all the possible distractions, and and you just go for the for what you hear for 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 the result. Or, um, yeah, it makes uh, I don't know, but I mean, you, you, Stephen and Tony have been here. I mean, um, See, yeah, it's, in a it's museum and a studio, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well I, I the, the, the relaxed like museum. <laughs> yeah, the relaxed thing, and it, it it is you know it's it's this bunker, so everything is. You know, once once you're in there, you, you know the outside world doesn't really exist, and mm. um, and it, yeah, it is it is really relaxed in there. It's it's really conducive to. And these speakers, oh man! I remember <laughs> he was cracking up the one on one in the low end, and I was sitting there like, when are they gonna pop? And <laughs> it was so low and so loud. And, but then he was telling me the difference between the headroom and and the power let's say of the the one-on-one that there was so much more power in the speakers that you that could easily bear it it was i, I think i've never heard that before uh, maybe in a mastering studio or something mm. yeah it's, really an, it's a really, really special this kind of sound in the studio it it does have a, a certain sound yes yeah, and but and the cool thing is is that it carries uh, throughout the whole room, so everywhere you are, you you have decent sound. It's not really that loud, though. You say you, you mentioned it's loud, and but I don't. No, think but it's more that for loud. me. Let's say if you take the <laughs> lowest note of a mini mook on a normal speaker, you're scared they're gonna pop. Ah, okay. And I was sitting there all the time when you were doing this with the one on one, like oh, but then uh. then you explained that they have so much more power that it's no problem to just hit the lowest note and. Yeah, it's what I think is important is that that um, uh, that you really hear what you're doing without yeah. ever having to guess what's heck, what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and it and it helps the performance um, mm. because uh, you're never really worried about sound and you don't hear it just screaming from from one corner or something. It's just yeah. you're all engulfed or you know sort of surrounded by it. And um, yeah, it, it it works really well for these for these live sets. Yeah, for sure. I guess a good description is like really loud bass and not distorted at all. Mm. Normally the whole speaker would distort and stuff would sound bad, but this was completely, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's vibey. <laughs> vibey. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I want to want to continue this this thing about um, just being in the moment because uh, I rediscovered that since since I've done these uh, live sets and I think it's a very 
special feeling. It's a very special uh, state to be in. Uh, you get it in cert- to a certain extent when you when you DJ, uh, but playing live is, is sort of um, tenfold the same feeling because it's it's really um, yeah in the moment. How do you how do you experience it when you play by yourself, uh, Colleen or Tony? Because um, if we, if you play together, you you can rely on each other kind of or sort of you always have a backup. Uh, but when you play by yourself, it must be uh, even more intense, right? Yeah, I have always have more than one. I have more than one kick drum because as long as I mean Tony's make a stroke, as long as it's a kick drum, it's techno. So you have to have two kick drums just in case there's no kick drum. <laughs> a and everything kick else, drum. yeah, exactly. Kick drum, a hi hat. You could get away with like maybe thirty minutes, I'd say, of yeah. just kick drum. <laughs> but yeah it's as long as yeah i think the key is just to you know for me when i'm doing my sets individually i plan them out a lot more than Mm. i would do with tony when you're with somebody else you can't plan it you know especially if you don't like have chance to rehearse or whatever Mm -hmm. so mine are much more planned when it's by myself because you know you have to deliver when you're in a club you have to deliver you know what i mean and the pressure of especially going before and after a DJ, you know, where everything is, you know, on every four bars, there's a change and it's all Mm -hmm. mastered. So like, you know, you have to kind of adjust. So you really have to be on point with your arrangement um, when that's the environment. So I have to, I pre-prepare a lot more for a set at a club or a festival, but um do you always use your preparation though, or do you also have moments where you kind of divert from whatever you planned and just go off into a different direction? I usually don't. No. Okay. No. Yeah. I, when I'm with, that's why I like, it's so nice to perform with other people. Cause then you can really go for it and just listen mm. and feel something. But I feel a lot of pressure uh, to have everything planned so that, again, so that if something goes wrong, I can still adjust if something goes wrong. I always have a backup. It's always important not to have one sequencer. You have to have at least, <coughs> I have, I like to have three sequencers so that, you know, then your changes can be really smooth. And if something goes wrong, you still have another option. And then I do have one sequencer that is only improvised. You can't um, actually program it. So I always have that. So yeah, I guess I do go into other zones sometimes, Mm. but uh, yeah, I would, I feel a lot of pressure, especially during a club to keep it in a DJ box of like, you know, there's very strict parameters for what people are going to expect here at a club when people are DJing. So I feel like I got to fit it into that. So, and I like to focus again on the performance aspect of it because, you know, you're there with people performing and it's very important to me to connect with the crowd on an energy level so Mm. that if you have everything sort of sorted out this blueprint, you know, you don't have to like spend your time being anxious in front of the crowd trying to like fix something or write a sequence really quick that you're like, you know, and you look visibly stressed out. So Mm. it's really important me to have it like that i can change it if i want to but to direct the performance and energy out is important Mm. for me 
So, yeah. What about you, Tony? <laughs> uh, I think um, when yeah, when I when I play live on my own, it's a lot harder to um, it's a lot harder to enjoy it maybe than with, <laughs> with two people because yeah. there's not. It's harder to have this. Uh, you can have a breather and step back a little bit. But I think that it was definitely inspired by watching Colleen perform, and it was quite a long time ago because I I, I was re- I really had this mindset of oh I've really got to like improvise all this and create it all from scratch, and I was really making it very hard for myself and being very kind of purist about it. And I watched Colleen perform live. I think it was yeah it was at a festival, and normally we always play together, but for some reason we were like maybe one after the other or something playing on our own. I saw her play and I saw, I heard how she was, she'd um, was using riffs that she'd prepared. And I was like, yeah, that worked really well. You know, it was still really flexible, very live, very in the moment, but she wasn't just needlessly making the job really hard for her. Uh, and that's exactly what I was doing. It's like, why was I doing that? So I, you know, I come a bit more, I, I come a bit more um, with, I don't know, I'm just not making it quite as hard for myself as I used to be. I, I would program some sequences and I would, uh, if I used the Octa track, I would have some like rough backing atmosphere or something like that just to, just so I'm not making it so incredibly hard because like Colleen said, the problem is when you come on after a DJ who's playing finished pieces of music and you're like scrabbling around in the dirt trying to like <laughs> make some techno out of like nothing out of bits of dust. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, people are like, what is this? You know, <laughs> it's not boom there straight away. Yeah. So uh, it's, yeah, it's hard to, um, so yeah, uh, some kind of balance of, of um, something to fall back on a little bit more, but, but is, is sort of, just flexible enough to really have fun with. Yeah. Um, otherwise, otherwise it's just a night. It's just yeah. a nightmare. It's just, you're just in a constant state of panic and that's, um, yeah, I, I realized constant that, state that, of panic. <laughs> yeah, I realized that wasn't so much fun, but you know, I, I had to learn. I had to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why I don't want to do it alone. Because you don't want to be in the state of panic all, all the time. Yeah, probably it's, alone, it's, I would be for sure. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's fun for sure. Two two people playing live is is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we should have more of that in the future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do you we guys talk think... about it after this? Because there was something. Yeah, I was Sorry? thinking like, is it going to change? Like what you've been doing in lockdown is going to change what you're going to do in the future. Like, Joachim, are you going to do more live sets, you think? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on your, like, on your own after the lockdown? is Yeah, or, or collaborations, I don't know. I mean, I think for, for, for the foreseeable time, small venues with seated audiences and, and live performances like this, like this are probably the, the way to go for now. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Steve, I think I know the answer. To that one. <laughs> to be honest, I was, You're gonna live I was never ever into it at all and really hard to convince. But yeah. then this performance convinced me in one take and 
I learned a lot about the setup and that I don't want to do it alone. And yeah, and I want to do it on the fly as well because yeah. I, I hate to, to to take my studio down and then I can't work and and it's just more fun. I mean, yeah, exactly. It was so much more relaxing than to think about oh, I have all this riff I have to go through and pre-program and yeah, this this, this is great. I think, uh, I, when when yeah. I speak to people, I, I find that most people have the idea of, of uh, it's like a, a rock band kind of idea where, where you want to kind of play live and, and perform your greatest hits live. And, and I, I've kind of completely abandoned that with, with, with techno live and just going for a, just a, mm. a kind of new, a new kind of improvised uh, thing. Um, I think I, I think that, that that really got in the way for me. Years ago, I, I when I tried approaching playing live, it was more about recreating my tracks, and that that just really got in the way for me. And and I ended mm. up just with a really boring um, setup, and I just didn't enjoy it at all. And it was kind of I abandoned the idea of playing live for a long I, time. I totally understand you because this. Mm. Re, uh, pre, uh, replaying your old tracks was exactly what was holding me back because mm. if I have to look for all this data, I have to go back to the Atari <laughs> oh, yeah. and load up all the yeah. things, look through the, all yeah. the discs I have to, to capture all the data. And I was like, no, I don't want to no. go there. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, the yeah, best is to, to don't play any of your tracks that yeah. people know. And I understand how, you know, it might totally makes sense from a kind of marketing point of view. Of about, course, you yeah, know, it does. Doing yeah. an album and touring the album and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. I don't know, it just doesn't, yeah. yeah the last, really last time I, I toured extensively with, with the live show, I did it the other way around. I just toured for two or three years with uh, with a bunch of gear and mm. uh, every two weeks or maybe every week I did uh, I added some uh, some new programming in my arsenal so I could do something new every weekend and then after about two years uh, I had a massive amount of um, tracks that came out of the live performance situations because um, yeah you approach your stuff differently if you perform it so they were all they all were sort of they found their form by playing them over and over again so they found this this sort of uh, yeah conclusion you know so um and then uh when i when i um had them all uh, kind of down uh i recorded them as an album <laughs> mm-hmm. so right. it it was the other way around and so i i didn't have to um do this to me absolutely boring thing of replaying tracks that you've already done because uh, once I'm done with something, I want to f- forget about it and move on to something new. Uh, Absolutely. But, Amen. but this way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this way it, it sort of still made sense to do. Um, it makes sense that way around. Was that the, the loud yeah. boxer project project? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I see some, some other great live performance showing up in the kink is here. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> Good to see him here. Yay. Hello, and uh, another live performer, uh, hey. Tom, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you th- when you think about it, there's actually a lot of people who um, who are capable of um, doing amazing live stuff. Have you ever seen Dennis play live? No, Monopoly. I have not. Uh, well, recently he's been doing these um, uh, live sets with um, 
uh, testing equipment. So oh, it basically yeah. has like, a, I don't know, 200 kilos worth of uh, massive boxes. <laughs> oh, he sent me some recordings. Oh, yeah. You have to download them. Yeah, I've, yeah. yeah I've, I've seen him at uh, free rotation. He's uh, Yeah, exactly. Free rotation. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's the um, the hard way of doing it, but it's but it's amazing. <laughs> <Hard> <laughs> way. Yeah, carrying all this stuff around, man. Respect for the guy. You yeah. have hardware. You have hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> hard wave. It's a new uh, genre. <laughs> uh, so, what does your um, setup look like is it always the same or um colleen is it do you you said you sometimes bring new gear when you play with tony but is that true for your your own um uh, live show as well no it, it'll change occasionally but i've had the same setup well this is the this is the joy uh the good thing about using your rack because uh you don't have to change you just put one module in it's a totally different thing so yeah right. i should say i'm like oh no it's the same stuff but it's actually not it's the same physical pieces of equipment but there's different things inside the box so but i try to stay with in fact this is something i learned from tony like you have to stay with um you have to resist the temptation that some new piece of gear is going to make your life set good because it won't <laughs> it'll only make it worse <laughs> so if you stick with the same life set and this because the more you uh when it has that synergy and it works all together and you know exactly what's going to happen, then that's when you really solidify your sound. Uh, you can get yourself out of any problem that you have. You know, mm. that's, the, that's the biggest part, a huge part of a life set is to be able to extract yourself from a disaster somehow. You're like, mm. okay, how do I get out of this? And the more you know your equipment, that's where it's so important because you can quickly alter something uh, or you know, figure out something else to do or if something's going wrong, you know, you know how to troubleshoot it and all kinds of things like that. So I find, uh, and just muscle memory also when you're performing so that, you know, like a guitarist wouldn't play a different guitar every night of a show. That's how I see it. So having your sure. own piece of like equipment, the way you know it set up in exactly the same position on the table so that it's always the same. So you just, da -da 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 -da, and then it's like go time. Yeah, your yeah. setup is basically your instrument. Yeah, yeah exactly. The whole of its entirety is yeah, the instrument. Is the instrument so. Yeah, there are definitely <laughs> times when when I've totally ignored my own advice, though. Where <laughs> yes, like, yeah. I get, I I would uh, so many times this has happened with with the Eurorack, where it's like I would get like some module would arrive like the night before I'm going to go away on the weekend and I can't resist it. I'm like putting it in the rack and it's like, Oh no, it doesn't work. Oh no. It's yeah. Sounds disaster. But I, I know it's the wrong thing to do, but I can't, I just can't help myself sometimes, but I'm saying no, telling everyone else not, not to do that. But then I totally do it. No, but, but you yeah, do I, have to trial by fire with new, like oscillators yeah but i suppose it's about it's not not changing too much too quickly mm. um uh yeah because you end up with a completely new instrument and you're standing in front of a crowd going oh i don't <clears> really <throat> know what i'm doing have you ever have you ever had the been in a situation where you thought something was gonna uh work really well but um co totally misjudged 
the power <laughs> it had or the less the lack of power it had on oh, uh, all the time. I think you really get that with live before you know, it's if, if you're yeah, using different gear or different modules something can sound amazing at home and you play it live and it's like, where is it? It's, yeah. It's yeah. There. And other things are like, whoa, you know? Um, yeah. That's, I really, yeah. I really find that with, yeah. With your stuff, it's quite, oh, I don't know. I don't, what, what, how about you? Have you used your stuff in a kind of live situation, Joachim? Um, no. Uh, no, but I, I use it in the studio a lot, but um, never live. I think um, I use the Octatrack, which is very reliable yeah, yeah. in terms of sound. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's hardly ever surprising uh, yeah. in terms of the way it sounds. Um, so that's that's a uh, yeah. But with different oscillators, with, with yeah, in, I can imagine it's, it's there's a yeah. huge. Uh, there, there's there are big surprises and you just don't know until you you play live whether it's gonna be really good or not so how do you deal with that is the do you split everything out like on your rack is there are there different signals going to different channels on your desk or do you have like a, just a stereo out synth um channel uh, or, or can you still kind of correct for unexpected weirdness there, there have been a lot of different <laughs> there have been a lot of different approaches, but I don't know sometimes the rack has a lot of kind of submixers and filters in it, which everything's going through. And there might be like a main stereo out and then like a bunch of other separate outs, but it's, it's varied a lot, but I mean, I don't know, just, um, just the power of different oscillators is, it varies a lot. And if, if something's just not really cutting it, I, I, it's sort of one of these things where just turning it up isn't really doesn't really solve it. It's it's mm. something about the kind of body of it. I, mm. I can't really explain. Mm. And, um, do you do you um, how do you deal with dynamics? Because especially um, synths or Eurorack stuff, um, they can be insanely dynamic, um, and um, you're never going to be as compact sounding as uh, DJs performing on the same night. So is there something you use to make it sound more compact or are you just leveling things more carefully? How do you, how do you deal with that? Because um, I know from experience that dynamic stuff um, can be perceived as lower in volume or lower in energy. Mm. If you know what I mean? Uh, even though it's louder on, on the meters or whatever, but it's it still sort of uh, sounds some- less... Depends on the room, of course, but... Um, Sometimes I think we struggle with that, and that was that thing about going on after DJs who were playing these, like, brick wall limited yeah. tracks. But um, in terms... I, I think just kind of, like, fading stuff in uh, seemed, to, seemed to work. And um, there, I think there's ways with um, CV controlling things to sort of be able to set kind of upper and lower limits of, of reasonable, like a reasonable range, that kind of thing. Um, but you don't use any compression or, um, no, but I have, I, I have a setup which is kind of based around an Octatrack and uh, a LEP loop. And I actually put that through, um, the, what is it? The boom? Is it the, oh, yeah, the, the machines? Yeah. So I think, 
for years I was saying, oh, no, don't use a compressor. And then I tried a compressor. I was like, oh, that's kind of good. But <laughs> I don't know. But it has to, I know, I'm using it in a very different way. I'm, I have a, I have to have a very stripped down sound to use such a heavy compressor without it sounding mm. like crap. Because if, if I'm putting a load of complex detail in, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not compress it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've used the, the, the boom or bang, whatever they, they mm. call it, um, a lot when, when playing here in the, the, the live sessions. And it's, it's, um, it's as much an effect, I guess, as a... Yeah, yeah. So you can also use it to color the sound or filter it. Um, yeah, it does. It does take care of uh, some of the crazy peaks you can get. I use it mostly on drums, though. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just had it on the whole the kind of whole output of, of that particular setup, but I had to be really careful oh, about how okay. how I balanced everything um, with it. But yeah, that worked pretty well. But I don't know. How do you? Um, how do you find it, Colleen? Because when I, I don't know, from my point of view, when I hear you play, it's it sounds really kind of clear and punchy. You sound like a record. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you've heard it too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You do. You do sound like a record. Oh, I, I put no. I try to figure out a compression solution that I haven't can't figure it out. So yeah, I don't know. I see. I don't have a submix in my um, in my. Well, I, you know that's turned into craft work now yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh are you back no <laughs> uh oh uh, yeah we can hear you at least we hear you again are you still there oh. <laughs> you don't have a sub mixer in your in your rack i i actually do but i don't have like a mixer i lied i was like wait no i don't oh i don't have, i don't have a sub mixer but i do but i don't but no uh i want a mixer in it so that i can only have two one stereo output from my euro rack because i have anxiety about setting up when I get to a club and I'd like to set up like in 15 minutes or less, this is my goal. I don't like taking a long time for that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It seems ridiculous, but somehow that stresses me out. So I just want to be able to plug it in. And in fact, I actually did. Um, I've now decided to use a DJ mixer to do my live sets. And I mm. figured out how to do it. And it's so much better for me. Uh, because, and I like the Pioneer uh, DJM, if you can believe it. I know people don't like that mixer, but because like it's so it. simple and it has effects on it. And you can just, the, I like to filter and everything. It's so simple. And it was so great because there's so many things that, uh, you know, when you have so many channels, you can't cut things in and out in a way that like keeps things moving because there's too much to, you know, you can't do things very fast or you have to like remember where you are and it's dark and you can't see anything. And so I managed to get four outputs of everything. So this is good, but I'm working on getting it even less. So that yeah, makes sense. That, makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. It's much yeah. easier too and less space. Uh, yeah. And they're, they're, yeah. they're built for performance and, and a studio yeah. mixer is built exactly. to 
manage sound basically exactly. uh, you, you can exactly. perform on a, on a live mixer but a, a dj mixer is a uh, yeah it's just the layout is simpler and uh, yeah usually <laughs> eq filters are good so you, you can yeah. make big movements on a dj mixer you yeah. can cut out every all the bass of all the channels in in one yes. go and you still have your auxiliaries if you have a good one yeah, I think that was the great thing in our our performance that the the big mixer went through your DJ mixer and you could do things that I would never be able to do with yeah. so many channels. Altogether. Oh, is that how you guys did it? That's yeah, how yeah. The, the big mixer oh, okay. went through his. Yeah. Oh, nice! It was perfect. Yeah, because exactly yeah. what you're just uh, describing, Colleen. Yeah. That, yeah, there's so much channels and you, you can't do a whole bass kill yeah. just on the kick, yeah. on the, and that's it. And he could exactly. do the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Was perfect. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to figure out which channel the kicks on. Yeah, like, <laughs> one, one, two, three, four. Oh, That's usually there for me. Always number one. Always put it at one. Uh, yeah. Keep it easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had it that bad on that mixer that Jochem had that my whole channel sounded different because I had it 15 years on the same channel. So this whole really? channel one huh. was completely sounding different. Oh, really? The other channels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The kick changed the channel, actually. Wow. Oh, on your own mixer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the old uh, soundcraft, yeah. the, the one you <laughs> have, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it, it, it. your signature kick is a, basically a damaged channel. Yeah. <laughs> that was indeed probably the old old, old signature kick, because I, yeah. I, I would never be able to get it back like that so far now. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful mistakes. <laughs> yeah, using a DJ mixer for live shows, I think for live performances, um, for me, it works really well because um, things that you program into your um, sequencers and drum machines, um, whether it's pre-programmed or you're doing doing it on the fly, I, there's only only so much you can do with two hands, and uh, things become really loopy or slow evolving if if you only have a stereo output or if you yeah. uh, split things over a live desk. Yeah. But if you have a DJ mixer with just a, the main sort of group split out um, or the sort of the categories grouped in, in on four DJ channels or six, uh, it makes you, it, it makes, yeah, it's, you're capable of making big movements like, uh, uh, yeah, put effect on, on a, on a, on a whole group or yeah. uh, cut out a bass or, uh, or, you know, just a, Fade them up, fade things in and out quickly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it works. It works really well. It's um, yeah. It narrows things down. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like it too. Big of life changing for my uh, live setup. A recent development. I see that Kink likes uh, the Pioneer DJ mixer for mm. live set also. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I find the zone ninety six was or ninety six is too many things already. Too many pioneer, yeah, already, yeah. Because if like the DJ mixer, I was like, uh, I know it's very unpopular, but I really like the onboard effects of a pioneer mixer. Yeah, that's the advantage. You don't have to bring yeah. extra extra yeah. boxes. Yeah, exactly. that's true. Yeah, and then I'm in a situation where I'm doing a bunch of cable connecting anyway, which is what I was trying to avoid. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've tried the, the the DB4 as well, the Alan and Heath DB4. Oh yeah, it's got uh, actually it's got an effect processor per channel, so it's got oh, four. It? Yeah, Ooh. Uh, great EQ, Yeah, it's a really deep uh, mixer. Uh, it's less um, 
uh, rough in a sense that that it's it uh, you, it makes you play more sort of fluid, uh, fluently, yeah. or more sort of slow evolving. That's oh, what wow. you know, the machine kind of the demands or does to your it's performance. It's digital. That's right. Yeah, it's digital. Um, yeah. Well, it's got analog inputs, but I think everything's going through a digital. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know, but it's it's got a uh, EQ per channel, which is switchable to filter and kill. So you have three modes on each channel. You can use them. Um, you can s set every channel to do whatever you want, and then you, oh, have, wow. to, you have a dry wet or a send uh, per channel into its own effects um, processor. So you have four different ones, and it's um, yeah, it's it's a really nice performance desk too. But it's um, it's hard to get, so it's uh, yeah, it's difficult. Not to, good for the rider. No, <laughs> they'll be like, yeah. No. No. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, is it that hard to get? Um, yeah, I've tried it a few times, and it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it had to come from a different country twice, so it's um, okay. it's, it's it's not as common as a uh, Alan and Heath ninety six or ninety two or. I or still have it here. Yeah. We'll have a look in, <laughs> look better look at it still. Mm. Yeah, but Steve, you when you write music, um, I, I I assume you've always. Uh, or you do, you do have experience with uh, performing things, right? In, in not for an audience, but your your tracks and your music uh, does have a, this sort of live feel to it. So you do have experience in oh yeah performing. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I usually I, I do my tracks in the studio live. I mean, since yeah. maybe since the digital area came, I do a mixture of uh, depends on my mood, how I feel, or where I, where I am, but. In general, I try to do the the live thing. I just uh, set everything up, mix it, and then press start and see where it goes. For the feel, it's it's I think the the nicest because sometimes I I do the the whole copy and and, and pasting thing, uh, and then when you do it live, it has a completely different feel, a better flow than when you copy it all the time and think too much about it. Because mm -hmm. that's the thing: if you do it live, you you hardly think, you just do. You feel and you do. Yeah. And that that's for me the nicest thing, thing as well. Especially when you listen back as well, you you can feel the flow of things. Instead of that you know it's blocked and it's copied and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's more intuitive, I guess. Yeah, yeah totally. And then, and then you just uh, bounce everything to stereo and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep yes. it. it. <laughs> I, I try lately to um, record a few channels, at least the channels that I filter a lot or change live mm. sort of stuff, because, yeah, that can be a pain if you do a multi-recording. You have to redo it again, and the take you just did was really perfect on certain things. But, yeah, that stuff I have to look into still, because I'm, I'm still in, a bit too hardware in that sense, but... I still have to connect all my channels back to the mixer. Now I have maybe eight channels that I plug in here and there in the machine that I can record it. But I want to be able to to record 24 channels if uh, if I need to. So did you get rid of your Soundcraft mixer? Do you have something else now? Or? I have a Ghost now. Okay. I mean, the the one before was the one you had, the, the Spirit, Spirit Studio. Yeah. And before that, I had the Spirit Live. And for me, I still, that one had the best ever mid-sweep that I heard in my life. I mean, 
I mean, uh, from yeah, for the people who know that, yeah, that you know the track as Ashfix, but it's not Ashfix. It's actually Extrax, which means cross tracks. And I used that mixer and I had two riffs of the same sound. I bent one to the left, one to the right. And there's this facing, flanging effect in the track, which I actually do with cross uh, sweeping the, the sweeps left to right against each other, which gives this facing effect left and right, which, yeah, which people always think it's a machine, but it's just me doing live sweeping on the thing. It's manual labor. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it's, it's one of the few tracks that I actually mentioned according to the track. And what happened? The labels were printed the other way around. Yeah. So it became Ashfix. <laughs> yeah, that was for me really like, oh. Usually I just no. make up a title and because I don't really care. It's about the music. And this one was really on purpose. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was a hard one for Suck. me. <laughs> Sucks. Every time it's like, oh, I love Ashfix. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> So did I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring Kink back in because um, he's asking um, if we have, it's a question to all four of us, uh, if there is some kind of panic button or a reset thing, re reset solution if something goes wrong during a, a live set or when it gets really messy, you know, when you tweak too, ma too much and you completely lose it. Um, I can be uh, quick to answer first for myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever happens, happens. And um, to be honest, I feel quite um, in my comfort zone when, I, when something happens that is unexpected because the end, it makes you work, work harder to sort of uh, find or maneuver your way out of it, which um, in some instances actually becomes something interesting, which you would have never come up with. Um, so uh, in my case, no. <laughs> I, I definitely experience points, especially with the, the completely improvised uh, techno sets where um, it's starting to go wrong. And instead of trying to to save it i i let it kind of completely fall to pieces <laughs> and it kind of to be, almost to become a thing so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. instead like of trying to like save it from itself i just let it like crash and burn and turn it into some like crazy weird bit of the set and then kind of build you know the phoenix rises from the ashes mm. or something mm. i don't know that's how i feel about it instead of trying to fix something that's going <laughs> wrong. You just let it just crash and burn. I don't know. It's just more dramatic in it. Yeah. I know. It, do, you, do you know what I mean? It's somehow, I know it's more, it, it, it makes you just us pretend part. nothing is wrong. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I just, do, you, do you, do you deliberately make it worse or are you just, do you, you just hide it by, I, I, I let it, by, by I let it carry on going yeah. in the, in the, in, you know, it's starting to fall apart. So you just, encourage it to fall apart yeah. even more make it a feature know, it, yeah it becomes a yeah. feature then it's a thing instead of trying to <laughs> resist what it what it wants to do yeah somehow so um yeah i guess that's the same for me but uh, um i don't i don't um i don't mind if if things yeah yeah uh, if things go not wrong but in a way that you that, that when some things happen that you 
was that we're not doing intentionally or something uh doesn't come across the way you imagined it would you know when you were trying to move towards something but uh but again i like i like this tension because that makes you uh be on your on the tip of your toes even even more and and uh, it could sort of refocuses you and it's a, it's an exercise like- in in like control and and how i don't know it's so volatile that you can't be completely in control of it and sometimes it's like it's like letting it just spin out of control and just yeah uh, and then i don't know and then i can kind of start again from a fresh you know and you just kind of build it back up again mm. maybe but i guess <laughs> for me as a non-experienced guy looking at that i guess it would be more difficult uh, to, to let it run let's say if you have a plant set up with all your hits and stuff because then people immediately hear it completely goes wrong. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's easier if you have an on-the-fly thing because you're mm. improvising anyway and it doesn't matter where it goes. Yeah. You just got to stand there and say, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't like it? This is all planned. Yeah, yeah you got to sell oh, it. Get it. Which, oh, which mistake? It. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the jazz, it's jazz, it's isn't it? Like, yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't like it? Oh well. Oh, you just, just don't get it. <laughs> don't get it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to go over your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are many. There are many ways of getting away with it. Yeah. One thing. One thing you always should do, though, is act. You know, whatever happens, whether it's intentional or falling apart, just because you weren't in control, act always act as if it was intentional. as if you're in control you know like uh, absolutely it's supposed to happen you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) what about you colleen do you have a reset button or a plan b or a backup thing um i mean no i mean not not really if i have if if i lose because if i lose like one element of it as long as not the kick drum which is why i have two kick drums uh, then you can do without it. You know what I mean? Like you really can, if just one voice or even two voices, you can still make something happen as long as, so I have a backup kick drum. Have they ever both failed at the same time? Then I would have to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) You can take the microphone and sing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Beatboxing. Do a a Yoko Yoko Ono performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be good. I was wondering if Kink has one, so maybe he can answer in the comments <laughs> if he has a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, let, let's give him some time. Maybe, yeah. you, maybe um, he can come to the Discord server and uh, and uh, talk about this, or maybe yeah. at some, some episode, some in sometime in the future. I'll I'll send him an email see if he wants to talk about. Yeah, it would be great to have Absolutely. him on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I request. I put in a request. Okay. <laughs> a formal request. I have lodged a submitted a formal request. <laughs> I must say, I I um, played with um, uh, sample based instruments in the past. With um, I used to use in in that loudboxer era. I used to use um, a setup with uh, two SU seven hundreds, and uh, they are very fluid. They are they have. Um, I think eight channels, some one shot channels and some loop channels and, but every channel had its own control. So, uh, 
there were no songs. It would be, was basically just, if you would press start, it would just loop something. And then all of the dynamics needed to be done by hand, you know? So it was uh, sort of the whole flow and, and buildup of, um, of the piece was performed. Um, but they <clears throat> also had uh, scenes, which meant uh, you can, you could bring it out of, con- out of control and make it completely chaos and chaotic and noisy. Uh, and then just press one button, button and, go back into a scene so it would oh, sort wow. of all jump back to the, the same setting i don't think there's anything like that in in eurorack but um i think colin told was telling me he was working on some ideas to have macro control type things to control his eurorack so he could jump back to not really a preset but uh, control several things at the same time with one mm-hmm. one control button i don't know is this something you would you would use if it if it was if it was there because to me it saved my ass a couple of times and it's also a feature because you can deliberately sort of you know uh give all the knobs you know a big whack you know to have things pitched all over the place and just noise and craziness and then just jump back you know it's a it's a big moment if if that happens pretty cool you have that on the on the um the Bookler 200e system, there's a preset manager on that. Oh, would you tour with that? Though? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it it does it produces you know because it doesn't change how you've got something patched. It's just where all the buttons and knobs are. So it is kind of weird how you can have a you can set up a patch and then save it and then just flick to a different preset. It's just like. Yeah, it's it's a good kind of randomizer thing, but hmm. um, yeah, the Pacific Voltage Club is mentioning the electron stuff, which of course has all that stuff uh, built in. So anything you do with it can be uh, stored. Any any scene or setting um, can yeah, be stored. Can yeah. What is it like? Function on the machine drum, it's like function something, and just boom, it goes back. I've never used it though live, believe it or not. Somehow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, oh, why? Sometime I should probably. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if I had that, it's such a, it is such a great feature, especially for, um, especially for uh, a Euro rack would be amazing. But I think there's only so much. Um, maybe that the BeatStep Pro doesn't have anything like that, does it? Do I know Tony uses that. Do you use that BeatStep Pro? Does it have yeah. something to go back to whatever your sequence is if you tweak it? Or is it just the sequencer? Uh, well, you said you collected the Beatstep Pro, no? Uh, yeah, for, for, for the set we did, yes. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, I, yeah, but I, I, I basically just punched in stuff uh, on the fly. I, never, I don't even know how to do presets on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier. Yeah, I mean, you can, pro, you can program like 16... I don't know, drum patterns or whatever in it, but, um, yeah. Programming is overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there we go. Okay, that's the answer. Um, I don't have a panic button. I was planning to do this for years, and I still haven't implemented such a thing. Now you confirm that maybe I don't need it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you don't need it, man. Just no. go with it. <laughs> Improvise. <Absolutely>. Kick drum. <laughs> so 
So let's see. We well, we're kind of ignoring the people in the comments, but uh, <laughs> try our best to um, to answer questions. Maybe um, uh, maybe now's the time. If you um, if if you have anything specific to ask to any of us or all of us, um, drop it because uh, uh, yeah, we can um, we we can talk about your questions. Were we, were we talking about? Oh, I see. Oh, I see a cat on the way. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. A, commercial, a commercial break. <laughs> um, um, we, I think we, me and Colleen were talking about um, uh, what was it like? Changing your having a having a you know working with a particular. I mean, this is this is in the studio, not not so much live, maybe, but having a particular kind of method or uh, workflow or setup that you work with, and, and and about how important it is to uh, to change that and not just stick with the same thing and be aware that uh, you know. I know for me anyway, I I would I just start to get lazy about how I work and I keep going falling to the same. Uh, kind of uh, patterns about making tracks. So I like to completely change something about the workflow, the gear, the approach. So we were kind of talking about that. Yeah, I actually, and it's actually, Steve, you were saying almost the same thing that I've been doing is where I would normally just record, um, you know, everything out to just record all my tracks. Yeah, just press start and, and you'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. But then what I started doing recently, well, I just started doing it for this last track I'm working on, um, is, is separating the channels um, and doing different takes for different things. Like doing yeah, yeah. one long baseline where everything, where you can, again, two hands, so you can't do everything at once. Okay. So, Open up style. I do that nowadays yeah. as well, indeed. Yeah. And then so, maybe do a baseline and then do the rest live on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what I, I do now. I started yeah. doing that all as well. And it's just like, uh, it's not, it's really hard actually to change the, you get so hardwired in your brain, you know, to, to your process that and it's, yeah, it's tough to, you've got to force yourself to do it to make grow, to grow. But I'm in the moment of a production awkward production transformation. <laughs> I can't think there's be a word for it, but I don't know. <laughs> so changing the flow, which is not, uh, ultimately is great and important, but it's, it's hard to, I mean, it's, that, it's kind of that, that, that learning, learning the instrument again. Yeah. And learning what works and what doesn't work and trying something that doesn't work. is just as valuable if you try something and it doesn't work, it's still worth doing because then you know, okay, it doesn't work and I can move on and stop thinking about it. And no, it doesn't work. Fine. You can move, leave it behind or learn. It helps you to learn what does work. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been really good and doing different approaches and, you know, talking to, you know, other people about how they're working and it's really, uh, it's a really good time for communication between artists. That's, you know, Joachim, this, 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 uh, thing, this knob thing has really been really great. Like 
on a skit emotional here for a minute, but it's been really great. For, <laughs> like, I just love it. I'm a therapy session. Now. <laughs> no, it's, actually, it's actually something that uh, I've heard more people say. Um, but I guess, you know, I started this because um, uh, the whole sort of social aspect of what we do is disappeared, you know. And uh, usually during the summer, we would have run into each other, each of you easily, you know, multiple times, whether it's on an airport or uh, in, you know, a car on the way to the gig or in a hotel, or a hotel lounge, <laughs> artist dinner, whatever. And then these conversations that we have now, maybe a little bit less uh, planned, but um, they, they would take place and we would catch up, you know, and um, talk about music and gear and inspiration and whatever. Um so yeah, it's this is just a place to continue doing that, I guess. Um, it's been like more. I felt like really more in touch um, with other artists now than I have mm. been. So and it's like um, you know um, also strips the the lockdown has kind of stripped back like kind of a lot of bullshit about the industry and like people who really are passionate about the music and making music and, you know, the community of people, I think uh, it brings uh, people closer together when you kind of strip away all the business class or, you know, whatever, like Claire for a lounge or all this stuff, it kind of strips back uh, and brings it more to a human sort of connection, reminds Absolutely. us that that's what it's all about, you know? So it's, it's been really positive in that way just the, the lockdown in general. And you have provided a really great place for a bunch of people to get together, including myself. So thanks. Nice you. one. <laughs> well, I'm happy you, uh, you join, join us. And, um, Very, always. <laughs> awesome. Um, I saw something from, um, our f Belgian friends, um, directed to Tony surgeon. What setup do you use for your ambient stuff? I can imagine that's not the same as, or is it as your techno sets? Uh, it is, yeah, it, it is different. Um, like like the techno set, it varies. Um, I, yeah, it's varied and changed. So, I mean... Maybe, I, maybe explain what, why, what do you look for in a setup if you do a more sort of sit down ambient kind of show and what is it different where does it differ from more poly less mono since or is that the thing or you do everything uh, with mono i like i mean i i like a really compact setup i like mm. i i love to have something that fits in like a hand luggage wheelie case you know that's <laughs> yeah, an yeah, ideal yeah, yeah. size because i you know i do sometimes check stuff in but that's that's a yeah. bit of stress, you know, it's but then scary. carrying stuff on is a stress as well. So, <laughs> uh, um, but, um, uh, I think current, uh, well, I would say that there's always a looper involved in it. Whatever setup I've used, I've, I've used, uh, <clears throat> an electro harmonics, uh, looper, uh, it's like a four four channel looper. Um, it has like a clock in and a clock out, which is great to be able to clock 
if I'm if I'm like uh, playing something with an arpeggiator on it or, or or something like that, then that lets me um, kind of cleanly play in arpeggiate arpeggiator loops into the looper, and that works really well. But um, I don't know. It's like I for ambient stuff, I try to have something that's a little bit noisy and alien and atonal, and something something with a bit more of a melodic element. And it's like playing off. Um, it's like a rough and a smooth against a smooth uh, in that. So um, I uh, the, for a while I really enjoy using the the, uh, the Lyra Eight. Um, which is a really versatile, weird uh, piece of gear that that um, you know always surprises me. And some people think it's like kind of insane to use that live because it's so unpredictable, unpredictable yeah. and stuff. But it, again, it's one of those things where if I if I don't try and fight it, it'll work great, you know. But I've just got to go go with the flow of it. And sometimes I use that alongside just one of those little, um, you know, the little boutique SH101 things, just because it's really small, um, just for like arpeggios and, and more kind of melodic stuff. But um, other times I, I can only just use the, the Lyra on its own. Um, but before I used to use the, the music easel, the Bookler music easel, and that was really good because I could clock the arpeggiator on that from the looper and um and that worked really well so um i guess it's just using just using a couple of bits of gear that are really that are really flexible and that i feel comfortable with and i know really well i think it's more about maybe it's more about my relationship with the gear than uh, than anything else really so you know it's for in terms of advising anyone about what gear to use for an ambient uh, improvised thing, then it's just something that's that you feel comfortable with and is really flexible. But a looper is 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 uh, the vital, the kind of central point to it. Is that your reset, your reset <laughs> button thing, the looper, well, or, or sort of the thing that can can save your ass? If, well, if, it's, if, kind of, it's it's <laughs> like it's like having a time machine where it's like ha this this four channel loop it's like having four of me i'll 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 set up a i'll play into the loop and you can keep layering and layering and layering and you end up with a sound that you can't believe came from your gear because mm. it's just layered and layered and layered and then you just leave that playing and then you like start a new loop and um yeah that that really takes the kind of lifting work out of having to do everything all there in that moment. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it's all about the looper. Mm -mm. <laughs> so you have a kind of like a, a collaborator or something that is, is doing something for you rather than 
you having to do all the yeah. movements yourself. Yeah, that's like I guess, it's I guess like with pl playing with yourself then. The yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aha, ba -boom. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we got a lot of comments about the about the name. I was thinking maybe change it to uh, Rotary Encoders Twiddlers Hangout. <laughs> that's <laughs> but anyway, we, we've got, a, we've got a, an explicit thing on the, on the podcast, uh, so you know. <laughs> Where were we? Sorry, I'll leave it. I'll leave it up to your imagination. Uh, yeah. So, so would you say the the um, it, it it doesn't really make a difference uh, other than uh, you have to kind of uh, you, you you can be more sort of um, free form when you do an ambient um, set. I mean, there yeah. doesn't necessarily need to be as much structure, I guess, as when you do something beat driven. Yeah, but I I think it's really. To me, it's vital to to somehow tell a story. Yeah. That, otherwise, it just becomes a collection of noises, you know. And I think that's a really important distinction for me with a with a uh, an ambient set is is it has to be has to kind of be a story and a and a flow and and you know dynamics and uh, light points and dark points and not not just this random collection of, of noises because because it can very easily be that and it, it needs to it needs to draw myself and the audience along on, on some kind of some sort of journey journey of sound yeah <laughs> <laughs> it works yeah. Well uh, did that answer, did that answer the question <laughs> I, I don't know what was the question <laughs> <laughs> no, it was about um, um, your life setup for ambient shows. Ah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, um, yeah, for, first of all, I don't really like capturing things into genres too much. Uh, but yeah, okay, you know, we've got to sort of stick something, some, stick a name on it to know, you know, what kind of stuff we're talking about. But um, um, I think with... I noticed even more the the last few um, uh, weeks when 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 we were doing um, these collaborations on Stay Home Sound System. It's so easy to go from one extreme to the other in almost an instant. I mean, you can with a very small setup, you could you could theor in theory do a techno show, an acid show, and a and an ambient show or it, without any trouble because the um, yeah, it's just a matter of what what you do with uh, with with the sound sources. I guess you can drown things in reverb and make things slow and evolving, and then you know that sort of should pass for as ambient <laughs> very quickly. You know, uh, <laughs> so um, but yeah, uh, there is one machine that I've been using recently, uh, which is um, which <clears throat> could classify as a really nice ambient machine sort of like the lyra which is very much relying on performance it's the, the that um, resonant garden by folk oh, yeah. tech um it really doesn't do anything by itself you have to um it sort of relies on loopers as well a little bit it, there's there are three units in there which uh, have multiple effects uh um one at a time though and if if you make one of them or multi two of them a looper um, you can get endless uh, things going on uh, and, um, yeah, really sort of make long, um, slowly evolving 
um, sounds. Um, and and the cool thing about it is it's it's also very f- um, it's visually attractive because there are these strings pop- sticking out of the of the top, so people can see what you're doing or at least see your hand movement um, uh, connect to a sound or how do you say it? correspond to a sound that yeah. they're hearing. So it's um, um, it's a fun live instrument because it's, it's it's sort of you can tell that something's happening there. You can sort of see how it's done, and and that is. Um, it's a fun way to um, to do sort of droney stuff with that machine. Yeah, I've never, I I've, I haven't had a chance to kind of play with one in person. Mm. But it, yeah, it looks their their gear. Yeah, it has the same kind of. I don't know the same, but it has a similar kind of uh, unpredictability as the Lyra. So you know it's going to do something, but you never know exactly what it is going to do. <laughs> That's the exciting thing. It's going to yeah, do something. So, and, and it's also very slow. It's like uh, trying to um, to sail on a tanker. You know what I mean? It's it's like uh, right, you do yeah. something and then only seconds or sometimes even tens of seconds after your your movement, it's starting to uh, to show up in the in, in uh. the sound. So it uh, depends because the delays can be sort of endless and the reverbs are massive and long. <laughs> so not every movement is, is sort of causes an instant change, you know. So it's, um, uh, it's something to be care- careful with because you could drive something to the, you know, the limit or to the point of uh, feedback and getting out of control. Um, but it, yeah, at the same time, that makes it interesting. It kind of makes you a little bit more careful with it, I guess. Hmm. Um, but it's a really fun instrument to play with. Yeah. Somebody said, I think they would sell their kidney for it on the track. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a a very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a testimonial. If I ever heard one. (laughs) Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Both kidneys. Yeah. Well, it's not, I don't think it's that expensive. But, uh, it's it's one of these machines that um, they'll just keep on giving you results. Uh, you know, every time you you set it up, it's uh, it's going to do something different and something very satisfying. So, it's um, I think it's worth it. So, uh, what time is it? Oh, okay, we have, we have some time. Um, so, Steve, are you going to do some live sets now? Yeah, we have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're talking right now. <laughs> yeah, we're talking right now. No, but uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would, yeah, uh, I would love to <laughs> do something with the thing we did uh, as well somehow. Because, yeah, like I said, be- I don't want to do it alone. Yeah, and 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 it works well with you so far. So far, so this this one time, yeah. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> no, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I mean, mean yeah. I, I can't imagine it will completely go wrong another time. I mean, we we both have experience in the machines and things, and you know, yeah. to improvise, and it was improvising, and mm-hmm. that's basically what we have to do again. I would say, yeah, and yeah, of course, exactly. that's exciting if it's ever going to be for me with with public, because yeah, that's a new thing for me. Mm. So I guess it's going to be shaky hands and <laughs> twiddly knobs. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think um, I mean, the, both Colleen and, and Tony have, uh, have toured a lot with, with setups. 
Um, and all you, you keep saying that many of the choices you make for your setup are based on portability and, uh, um, size and stuff like that. So, um, I think the way we've done the live shows here at store is just, it's just impossible. That's just, go, that's just not <laughs> too, yeah, that amount of gear would never, uh, that would mean we have to hire a tour bus and, uh, <laughs> and a roadie yeah, crew. But, uh, yeah, but I guess a smaller mixer would be sufficient because, yeah, then I'm not going to use 12 channels of drums anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because beside those channels, I had just, I think, one stereo channel and two mono channels. Yeah. Uh, with synths, yeah, and that, that's it. Yeah, I thought about it. Though. I mean, it's it's. Um, I, I like I like the sort of old school way with a big desk, you know. And, and yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, how how to make that portable is another thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they have smaller mixes they can rent or something or hire. Uh, yeah, as yeah. long as there's PFL on it, because that's an important <laughs> one. Yeah. But yeah, the oh, machines yeah. nowadays are small enough to easily pull it in a carry-on. Yeah. Like Tony at the boutiques and blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, I also have those. It's perfect yeah, for... I, uh, I'm going to get the, like, my goal is almost there. I'm going to get the um, the TR-09, the little 909, Tony, that you had lent me <coughs> at one time. If I do that, then I've finally gotten my Eurorack to the point where I can only bring, where I can carry everything on board. I don't have to check anything. This is like a huge moment like a moment for me where i don't have to worry about it i'm not a hundred percent convinced about how it how it sounds i mean i really want it to sound great but i don't yeah i don't know i mean 909 you mean what's that you're talking about the the baby 909 yeah 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 i think if you if you use it to kind of over the if you're i don't know playing like percussion over the top of something i think it can be okay but if it's too much on its own it, it's i don't know i i don't i don't know what it is but something about it just um it's the same thing like with the um you know trying out different Eurorack oscillators where at home yeah. it sounds great and you play it live and it's just like it's just not there somehow it's not mm. But as well, if you would split up the the kick drum on one channel and I all the others on the other channel, don't I don't think you can. I don't think you you've got you don't have. Or maybe not live. You can. It. No, they don't. But yeah, that's what I've been doing since I was young. I had a sampler with just stereo out. What did mm. I do? I sampled one on the left, one on the right. So I had yeah. at least two channels. And you can do this with the nine hundred nine as well. You can put stuff on. Yeah, compare it and then put mm-hmm. everything. Maybe the kick on the left and everything else on the right. Ah, so did, because did, for me, it's you, always the kick. Yeah, it's going to be snowed under if you so pile has, up has, the sounds. Have you have you tried it? And it, and it I haven't and tried it uh, live yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was thinking playing with the idea in my head if it would be possible. Maybe it's like some it works some. Some some gigs it can work okay, and other gigs it can kind of let me down a bit. It's a little mm. uh, inconsistent. I don't mm, know. Okay. I wouldn't. Well, I mean, what did you think? Do you, you've. I mean, I've used it when we've played together, Colleen. Is it? I think it sounds good because I wouldn't use the kick drum because I bring. Mm. Actually, I have the Yomax that M Bass Eleven, the little oh, kick yeah. drum module. So that I would bring because I can also. Yes. Play it. That's and a very then, good one. Yeah, it's it doesn't I don't like it so much 
in the studio, it's a bit much like when you're recording it, but live, it's like a fucking beast and it just destroys everything. And it's bad. So it's like, it's amazing live. So I was going to use that. And I feel like the mini 909 would be good because I just need Tom drums. Yeah. That's kind of basically all that I need is Tom drums. That's what I'm now carrying. What I've been doing lately, I'm carrying the machine drum only for the purpose of the tom drums and the ride cymbal, which is a very heavy machine to carry for only those two purposes. I'm like, well, why don't I just get one of those? And because I used to use it as my leads, the main thing is my leads, and uh, I bet I just gone. I now have a sampler of my um, the Eric sample drum module, so now I moved away from. What was that? Okay. It, it was some. It sounded like scratching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it me? That's some. Yeah. Oh, was that you, Steve? It could be because I was yeah. going off my. Yeah, that's it. You. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, I just need Tom drums. <laughs> I just need Tom drums. <laughs> I think the toms are pretty. Tom the, the toms are okay on it. So that's that's required. And the, Pretty... I even have modules for the uh, the 909 hats, so I don't even need it for the hats, believe it or not. Yeah. But I think, how do the open hats sound? Uh, I thought it sounded good when you were playing it. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. They don't have that, like, thick, bitey yeah. thing. Yeah, true. Okay. The ride is sort of okay, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the, than the Hyatt, let's say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the ride and the tom drums are what I need. Yeah, the toms so. are really quite okay. Okay, good. Then sold. <laughs> so then I'll be able to carry everything on board, which makes me feel uh, very happy and relaxed. But I finally figured this all out, and then now there's no gigs to plane again. I, I got this, <laughs> this case that was specifically most uh, cases don't actually technically fit on an airplane if oh, they really yeah, want yeah. to you uh it happened to me one time where if you really are like stickler about putting a <clears throat> thing it won't go and you're just screwed and they tried to make me check it and it was a nightmare and so now there's one case uh that i finally found that's there's nothing they can do to stop me from taking it on the plane <laughs> <laughs> so that was a huge that was a big uh anxiety reducer for me that I don't have to worry about that. Here's one for you, Colleen. Have you tried the the Squid uh, sample? I think that's ALM, right? ALM BC Squid. Ah, yeah. Have you tried oh, that? No, I have not. If you want crunchy tongs, oh. it's a gold mine. Yeah, oh. that, that triggered my. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't tried it. Have you, Tony? No. Um, Writing it down. I. I yeah. I have not been buying any gear this year for certain certain, certain reasons. Um, Yeah. I don't know. In a way it's kind of, it's kind of good because I've, I've, I've been like, okay, I've got to like just investigate more what I've got, but no, I have not tried the squid sample and I'm trying to avoid looking at gear that I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to stay away from that. Yeah. It's not a good time. 
And, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I'm sure it's good because that yeah, the ALM stuff is all you know. I really like the ideas and the design, and you know, there's there's usually you know the fun, you know, the names are fun as well. So it's it's good gear. Yeah, yeah. What is it about the nine and nine? I was so, I saw somebody comment that the discussion always um, <laughs> ends up being about 909 but um, I don't know the thing is uh, I mean I, I'm not going to be snobby about it but the the real 909 is there's I haven't heard anything yet um, a clone or, or a replacement or uh, even the Roland's um, interpretations that sound the same as a real 909 you know there, there's just something about that machine that is um I don't know. It's it has just enough control and just um, enough limitation um, and punch. It has a lot of power, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's really stench. You went all it. wistful there, Jochen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wistful, like what's that? Just thinking about the nine and nine. You, you kind of were <laughs> getting emotional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it, it is. It is. It is a special piece of gear, though. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah. Uh, I mean, if if there would be um, this most simple setup, I would say uh, for live show would be a real nine and nine and some mono synth, and and it it would sound incredibly powerful on almost every system. Um, you know, there's there's no um, uh, frequencies that hurt. You know, it sounds. Yeah. There's always a very coherent um, output, whatever you do with it, however you tune it. Um, you never, you, you can't drive it over the edge or you can't make any mistakes with it. And it's funky. It's got this two step, uh, velocity and accent kind of programming way, which makes it really driving. And, and yeah, it's a bit, I don't know. It's just so, something special, special about it. And, um, um, it sounds filthy and, over a, a PA. Oh man! It? <laughs> yeah, just that and a, and a massive sound system and some warehouse reverb, you know, with you know the actual acoustics. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, when 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 Jeff Mills plays it, he doesn't even need a, a monosynth for it. He just yeah. does it all yeah. with that. It's like where how where how is he getting those like yeah. riffs out of it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you were also a total hooked you're also totally hooked on the on the 909 right steve i mean you yeah totally i mean my yeah. first ever machine was an 808 in 85 mm. 15 but yeah somehow the 909 attracts me more and i misused it a lot i guess over the years <laughs> and i still am yeah. <laughs> i can't help it it's it's yeah it's, it's sort of my go-to machine always yeah. sometimes yeah, it's funny how you how you when we talked uh, when you when you were over here that you um, are very very specific about sounds. I never, I mean, I never really. Uh, not, not not like super picky, but yeah. No, but I mean, I I I never really met people, or never. I mean, the you, you are definitely somebody who has a, a, an extra antenna for for sonics or for sound. You are very. Um, uh, particular about it yeah it, yeah it's it, it but some it sometimes it's also time based that after a certain year i don't remember these sounds 
Okay. But I had it a lot with people that used uh, like a tiny fragment of a track from the 80s or whatever. And I'm like, hey. And they're like, what the fuck? How do you hear it? It's just in me somehow. And I can't, I don't know what it is. Yeah, you, But you, it started when I was young already. When I was young, uh, I would hear records on the on, on pirate radio and they had uh, DMXs, DXs and uh, other drum machines, Lindrums. And while I never saw those machines, when I was 13, then I knew which sound came from which machine. Mm. It's really strange. So just because I heard a few tracks a certain time, and then I was like, okay, this is that machine when I heard it. But then I mean, for me, the bad thing is when I actually got the machine, when I got the DMX and I played the thing, and I was like, but where are the toms that I know are in there? And then I found out they had a separate chip cards that you could <laughs> put oh, in, which contained. So I found a website and ordered all these sounds that I heard in my 80s records and have all these chips now that I can change oh, for these right. machines. Oh. I think you learn, you learn, uh, there's something about like maybe when you're a kid that you, you learn how to listen. I don't, I don't know how else to kind of explain it, but there's something, there's a, there's a certain way of listening and paying really close attention to like a record or sounds or something that, that I don't think doesn't just, doesn't just automatically happen. I think there are different ways of listening to the same mm-hmm. thing, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. so, you know, if you, like, it's like us being in a club, listening to a record and the crowd listening to a record. We completely mm-hmm. listen with a different ear than the people on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah. Once you learn how, how everything is put together and how different instruments work and yeah, well, where once where a sound stops in a in a mix and where it continue you know where it's uh where it's another sound or you know we we sort of can easily tell sounds apart because we are used to you know dealing with that in the studio i guess i mean sometimes, uh, but if, we, sometimes we can't even listen to records normally anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just busy with, with all the elements and trying to Keep them apart. Or pick them apart. Uh, are any of you any of you synesthetic? Like when when you when your brain connects um, dif- different senses and makes it sort of one. Uh, like uh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> okay. Right now you are. Oh yeah, yeah. With the with the back. <laughs> no, I think um, I, I do a lot. I do a lot with visualizing the the kind of. Cr- yeah, it's like sound and sound and visual sense. Um, so I think I was talking but in to your head then, in your own head. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not literally seeing the colours, man. But um, <laughs> but, but there's def- there's a lot of visualization involved in in music making mm. for me. I think I was talking to someone the other day about. Um, like a like work like creating a rhythm, and if I can visualize some kind of movement from that working with that rhythm, then then I know it's the right a rhythm that's going to work. But there's a, definitely a visual element in that visualizing the movement that goes with the rhythm. So do you con- consciously visualize things, or is are are sounds just uh uh, instantly uh, recalling or uh, activating visuals in your in your mind in your brain. 
maybe it's a way of of realizing whether something works or not it's like can i can i visualize it like with a rhythm or i don't know it's quite it's it's quite difficult to explain but it's a mm. way of a way of realizing whether something works or not and it it works on some kind of visual level you mean whether okay you mean whether it's working together like something which is it, there's contrast involved or there's a, a pattern involved visually and if 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 it doesn't look good to you in your sort of mind's eye then you don't think yeah, it's going to work kind, sonically kind yeah. Of. yeah there is right. there's some on some sort of visual level there's i'm i'm checking uh i'm checking it right know. yeah it works similar in my brain but um i actually uh i can see and describe uh, what a sound looks like what a sound mm. looks like mm. so for example going back to the 909 a kicks the 909 kick has a, a certain shape and and form not really a color and um it's true for every single instrument but it's also true for any other sound so when i, I when i hear a sound um there's always uh, it's not a very clear image so i don't i you know i could sort of make a sketch of it but it wouldn't be the same um but it's there's always um i guess it's the same as how you describe it tony but um uh it's always it's always um visualizable if you know what i mean so i always i can always check it in how it looks uh I, it's not like they just come into my into my vision or into my sight or anything mm-hmm. but if i i don't even, i don't have to try either if if i think of a sound or hear a sound and um then there's this sort of uh aiding thing in in my head or in my brain to uh sort of estimate estimate uh or sort of yeah i, I don't know how to deal to to deal with it or to sort of process it it comes along with a visual that's what it's, i'm saying sounds, yeah it definitely sounds yeah. similar but for me it's yeah. definitely a way of it's somehow i would describe it as a way of checking what i'm mm. doing on this kind of visual level i don't know okay it's, it's i've never used it as a tool though I've, but it's, it's, I, all, I it's, it's I like wasn't a, consciously doing it but i mm. i had a conversation with someone the other day and for the first time i realized that i kind of do that but i hadn't i hadn't ever thought of it in that way before until mm. just the other day right interesting Hmm, weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never realized that, that it worked like that for me. Uh, I thought that was just a natural thing. You know, if you, <laughs> if you hear something, you can sort of describe its, its shape or its texture as well, if visually. Um, I just thought that it was um, how everybody listened <laughs> to things. It particularly works with, with, with rhythms. And it's like, can I imagine? <clears throat> I'm, I, I kind of have to picture this kind of movement is like a visual picture of the movement of the rhythm. And if it, if it moves in this fluid way, then, then it works. Mm. I don't know. It's either work. I have to kind of picture something. Funny because <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. It's difficult to explain because I I'm just, it's, uh, I don't fully understand it. <laughs> the funny thing is because I'm listening to you guys, if I ha- have it as well, but, the only thing that always what about you Colin? Always, um, <laughs> yeah, but the only thing do that always pops up is when I for the first time heard uh, rhythm is rhythm the dance, which is actually a square bass used in it. But for me, 
that's always been the shape of a circle or a round thing or a hollow thing. And that, that always stuck with me. And always when I hear a square wave, it's, it's round for me or something hollow. And, and I think that's the only a tube. visualization. I, yeah, like a tube. It sounds like a tube. Yeah. yeah. But it's the only visualization I get, I think, music-wise. It's never really... Um, unless it's like an unclear thing that I don't know about. But it's not something that I'm aware of. Then. Mm. At least not like you guys are. I also don't have that. What other weird stuff do you do? Yeah. do you? <laughs> I, I associate uh, sounds like with the, like a time and place or some kind of feeling. Yeah, for me, feeling. Everything's feeling. Yeah. But you have a really strong visual aesthetic and and you really imagine very elaborate (laughs) scenarios. Scenarios. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah, I have a like a visual sense in a totally different way in terms of like performance and fashion and uh, dance and things. So I think that my visual sense is very separate from my uh, like uh, sense of sound. So it's, Mm. I wonder that's interesting because I feel like maybe it can't be uh, that's finely tuned in a different direction. Do you have, do do you two Colleen and and Tony have a, a certain way to explain things to each other that is unique for your collaboration, like in, in music or direction? (laughs) <laughs> we have our own language it's, it's usually <laughs> well I, I don't know that that's so upsetting that means yeah that's great okay, that, okay, that's okay. perfect yeah we do we definitely we have, have a vocabulary we do yeah <laughs> and like ew means yes <laughs> <laughs> wrong is right upsetting is pleasing a lot of uh, Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm left-handed, so maybe that has <laughs> left is right to me. Uh. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> no, uh, let's let's um, let's switch it to something uh, to future things. Um, anyone wants to plug anything, anything they're working on, or are maybe releasing or playing somewhere, or. Is there anything people should know about? Yeah, yeah I'm just I'm, trying to keep I'm, this uh, <laughs> clean, Tony. <laughs> oh, no, no. In the future. <laughs> yeah, the future is very uncertain. Yeah. yeah well, you, you, you might have something uh, uh, ready for release or, f- you know, a thing you're doing. I don't know. I have two tracks coming on. Uh, oh, oh, God. Oh God. Uh, thank you for saving me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have some foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, so I have two tracks um, on a compilation, uh, two different compilations coming out. Um, I'm doing a remix that I can't really talk about right now. Those things are occurring. So look out in September yeah. or October. 
nice so, oh i guess i do to... i do have stuff coming but like like the same with colleen i'm not i'm not actually <laughs> able <laughs> i'm not actually you know it's like in that stage where it's like pre-announcement yeah exactly okay. i just yeah, wanted there, to be there's, i there's, just wanted um, to be polite and give you the opportunity yeah. no there, there's a there's a new 12 there's a new 12 inch coming uh that i'm that i'm that i'm pretty yeah i'm happy about and uh and there's at least another remix that's not kind of come out and been announced yet. Um, but um, yeah, but I, I've just, I've really enjoyed um, kind of doing a lot more um, syncopated rhythm stuff and a little bit more kind of thinking a bit more about melody and things like that and not just trying to like just crush people. <laughs> um because you know i just feel like i want to i want to make music with some kind of a sense of hope in it instead of just trying to destroy people because uh <laughs> i don't know it's just I to me it's just re- a reflection of of you know uh, i think me and colleen talked about this how you know you can have this music of this kind of dystopian music but do you? Re- do, I don't want to hear. Do we need, dystopian do we need music. more of that? Yeah, it's yeah. I don't want to hear dystopian music when yeah. we're living in a dystopian. Yeah. I, I, want, I want something that's that that takes me somewhere else than than where we're at in the world. So you know, I've been trying to consciously make uh, some techno that that has some more kind of hope and optimism in it. That's a great it's thought. Funny. It's funny because I have this funny experience with a track of yours. I forgot which album, uh, Tony, and I really love that track. And when I played it to my former girlfriend, she thought it was really creepy and dark. She couldn't <laughs> handle it. And then that was the moment that I was thinking, like, okay, it's it's really different how people receive music. Yeah, yeah. Because I love that track, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to me, that was a, a strange. Strange to hear that she thought it was really dark and creepy, and I was like, "Oh, but it's beautiful." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really about the receiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the second life of uh, of a track when you the intention that you made something with doesn't always necessarily come across to the listener. There's always you know, the second life of a track is when it leaves the studio, when it becomes public domain, I guess, and it takes of all kinds, takes on all kinds of different incarnations and memories attached from people. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's, uh, I guess it's the beauty of instrumental or music in general, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's, um, when it's more abstract, it's open to, to uh, <laughs> all kinds of interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, one uh, last question, I guess, from Marcus. What's up, Marcus? Um, he wants to know when all that stuff is coming out, which which you played in the um, photon set. Yeah, Steve. it's a good question. I mean, I'm I'm in the since the whole Corona, I'm in the phase of finishing off stuff, but then of course also a lot of remixes can come in, and since it's the only uh, income I can can make, <laughs> so I do some of take some of them. So, but that sets me back, of course. And actually, if I think about the only thing that's coming now is a project that I've done. It's sort of a mini album for a writer of the 
Uh, he, he wrote a book called The Outlaw Ocean. His name is Ian Urbina, and he's a writer for, uh, a journalist for the uh, New York Times. And he wrote a book about the sea, and it's all the bad stuff on sea that's happening, like piracy, uh, human trafficking, illegal uh, oil drilling. And he approached about 200 artists to, uh, to, uh, to contribute music to that book and to a certain uh, paragraph of the book. And yeah, it's, it's of course very serious, so it became a very emotional sort of mini album with a lot of slow tracks. And I tried to keep a line in it to keep everything sort of electro-ish and using mostly the same drum machine that you have a certain line in it. But it's completely not what people would expect uh, nowadays. I think uh, in the Photon track, in the photo, I played one of them. I think it might be the second one that I played. That's one of that album. And yeah, the rest of the stuff, uh, some of them are going to certain labels and some of them I still have to finish. And some of them were really like tryouts that I quickly bounced out of Ableton just to see how they sounded live. But uh, yeah, conclusion, there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> I need a lot of, lot of stuff that I need to finish. You you Sorry. said you said uh, it's not what people expect, but I think that's the thing. Uh, one of the positive things about this time, um, even though there are a lot of terrible things, you know, but uh, it's kind of kind of um, gave everybody a blank slate, you know, yeah. or not a, not really that. Maybe that's phrased wrong, but I mean this this is uh, this time is an opportunity to do things that you shelved for a long time because of yeah, yeah. things being really busy or. Um, hectic whatever and um since there's you know some of the music we do is actually functional music you know yeah, for, yeah, pe exactly. for people in, in to enjoy it like with loads of other people in one massive room or um hear it on a on a big sound system and now this necessity has sort of fallen away for now um it's it's totally open what what you can what you can do so you yeah. can do an experiment with lots of things that um that have been postponed or even um um you know unfinished or yeah. shelved yeah, for, me it was, for a while yeah because i didn't do musical stuff for a long time very melodic mm -hmm. and very with a lot of feeling and yeah in, in that project since the, on the the subject was so serious about what's happening on the sea you sort of had to go deep and melodic uh, at least that was my feeling when i read this book Cool. Looking forward to that. Um, I think that's a nice note to end on, right? <laughs> okay, so yeah, it was great catching up again, guys. Uh, nice to see you guys. Absolutely. And uh, thanks to the people who are watching on, uh, on YouTube, I'm going to do one additional shout out, and that's to uh, encourage people to uh to join our discord community that's uh, a server we set up where can this the conversation we're having now kind of continues with uh i think in, in the meantime it's about 700 people um and uh it's becoming a really fun place to uh to connect with us and to uh talk about uh, music and gear and inspiration and ideas and stuff um so that and uh we also recently started a patreon if people like what we do and then um i encourage you to check that out too so thanks again 
everybody and uh thanks for people in the live chat who contribute to the conversation and uh see you next time bye ciao, ciao. Fun, guys. Bye. yeah so, ciao ciao <laughs>